I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch Hey, when you hear the weird music and uh, you hear the Japanese Bjork named Kope, you know it's time here for the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio with your host, I'm Pam Benjamin and Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. Ow! Made it. That's good. I know, it's Halloween next week. Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. You have to put on a black face. I'm kidding. Uh, that microphone's funky for Is some reason. Is it funky? No, it's okay. It's back. Okay. It was. It was getting a Maybe little. Maybe it's the wire. It was the. It's the wires. It's the wires. Things are crazy. Uh, hey, how are you doing? You. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm okay. Sore floor this week. I finally um, learned how to dress for tips since I work on Wednesday. <laughs> I'm doing it today. I'm wearing short shorts, but with tights, so they're kind of sexy, but like not. I don't know how it's working. I finally learned. It's like scoop neck. That's show the show the armpit hair. I don't know if you can see on yeah. the yeah yeah. You, you make the armpit hair look good. Making it work. Yeah, making it twerk. Yeah, hey. Get those, get those tips. I, my favorite thing is when the, so where I work, we take cards and in a bar where that only takes cash, but we take cards and, uh, but people tip on the cards and it's different. And I just like it when people pay cash cause then they tip in cash right. and I like that better. And so I love it when the credit card machine goes down because, and everyone really? has to pay in cash and then they actually tip in cash. That's so great. So people will go, well, okay. Yeah. You, I forgot. Like the bar is, is yeah. cash only. So you have to use the ATM yeah. anyway. Get right. that $3 surcharge. Right. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Yeah. I have a credit union, so I get reimbursed. That's so nice. Mm. Well, money is how it's so scary. Yeah, because we don't have enough of it. Well, and why do we need so much of it? Well, now the prices are going up. Like, the minimum wage is $15 an hour, which is insane. I, I mean, it should I should be 25 Well, but I remember working. Okay, this was nine, 1990. I was a babysitter for the summer, and I was very young. But I was paid like $3 and a quarter an hour. And I was like, this is amazing. Three and a quarter an hour. And I worked like eight to ten hour days with this one baby. Her name was Keely. She was just a sweet little baby. And now she's an adult. And now she's an adult. She's oh, yeah. I got kids now. May, probably. Uh, but Keely, she was a, just a doll. But 325 and I thought I was making bank. I saved up all this money on this during that summer. and I. That's funny that you say that because I worked at IHOP. This is in St. Louis, Missouri, between the years 1997. I was in high school, 97 to 2000. Sure. So all three years of high school, I worked there. And I worked on tips. And I kid you not, our minimum wage was 225. 225. But that was in misery. Yeah, I was in misery. Yeah. And you know, we we did this several months ago when we looked up the minimum wages in each different state. Sure. And some of those are still like are like around like 3 5 25. It's unbelievable. Which even if you are living in Oklahoma or like Kentucky, that's still not enough. Well, 
it depends what your rent is. I mean, I think people's rents aren't as exorbitant yeah, as they are here in the city. But five twenty-five an hour, right? That's, and that's, when you knock down tax, sure, yeah, so that's oh, three. Then, yeah, so you were making more. Ba- you actually, technically, you were making bank because yeah, you weren't worried about taxes. I don't. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that when I was that I was young. Yeah, yeah. babysitting was always under the table. So, so technically, yeah. if you are still living in a state where it's five twenty-five, five fifty an hour, you I knock off taxes. You're making better. three. Hell yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, that's sad. Speaking of the Midwest, uh, I actually am going to be opening for Steve Poggi at the... Uh, You're going to STL. I'm going... No, I'm, I'm actually going to Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, even to the place worse. Bin, the Looney Bin in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'll be, I'll be the MC and host for the evening. I get to do 15 minutes. Wow. And then um, I introduce the middle act and then... Steve Poggi's the headliner and I am freaked out because I've got to be like kind of clean and I've been trying to work on my jokes that are pretty clean but then I realize like even my even my jokes that I think are pretty clean like wanting to win the science fair is still I talk about like the the big punchline of that joke is me using my own breast milk to make TH cheese that don't work in Arkansas because they have they have medicinal. Oh, they do? Well, yeah. then good. Because yeah. I'm like, how can I got to talk about weed? Am I allowed to talk about weed? You can. You can. Yes. I mean, Arkansas is not that bad. I mean, it, you're in Little Rock. Little Rock. So Arkansas. Little Rock's not, that's pretty dope. There, you should, you it's know what? It's pretty dope, but I'm, sh- sh- da, ha, ha, ha. I actually get paid for this. I'm very excited. I already bought you're my tickets. You're actually on a little tour. Yeah. It's something funky it's with something? the, yeah. I, try I to, might switch there it There you go. There you go. I try to keep it in the, I I, either switch it right to, a, if you're going to hold it, switch to a different guy, or because I don't know why that one. Guy. Yeah. I'll pull it down. Uh, so there's, I'm excited about, um, going to Little Rock. Yeah, it definitely works. Okay. Uh, I just have to curl it around. There's six new shows here at Mutiny Radio, so I've been training a bunch of people and I'm realizing that I'm since, as I'm spending more time in the studio that people switch things around all the time and it's crazy here. They weren't raised right. No, Ooh, they, now I can there hear you go, that. There you go. That yeah, works. that one's probably better than the other one for whatever reason. But people put it back. Yeah, people don't know how to put it back. And it's it's hard because I've got I've been talking to a lot of people. They're like, Oh, the show before me is you know, they're there's they're not they don't leave on time and then they leave a mess and all this stuff and I'm like, that's I mean, I can talk to them, but I'm like, You can talk to them too. Like you're the one that's there. Just tell them. Act like you've got some damn sense. Well, there was <laughs> I remember back in the day when I was doing Fantastics, way, way, way back in the day, there was a show before me that was six to seven fifty or eight o'clock. And every time they would it'd be like two minutes to the sh- my show starting. And I one time I finally was like, Get the fuck out I like yelled him. It turned out it was their last show anyways, which was fine and I was super happy about it. Cause I was like, Get the fuck out of here. Like I gotta start my show and I like to start at eight on the dot. I mean, get you got out. fed up. I was like, I they saw all the comics coming in, signing up, and I was like, I've gotta get my show started. And every time they'd be on the microphone at like 7.58. And I was like, God damn it! They just didn't have any respect. Inconsiderate people. They're I don't like them. I don't I don't associate with inconsiderate I, people. I don't think they know they're being inconsiderate though. I think that's the problem that we're dealing with in our society as a whole right now is that people who are being what I would consider evil, short-sighted, self-centered, they don't know it. What I'm talking about is when you, when 
people are coming out of a store on a busy street and they're looking at their phone or they're not even looking at you're coming out of a door onto a busy street look, look around up. look up look up know your surroundings and then if you get they bump into you they don't even say sorry okay now are they purposely being evil no they're being short-sighted self-centered entitled like i'm supposed to be looking out for you you don't have to look out for me but i need to look out for you like excuse me so i don't think they think they're being evil but when i see that on the street i want to fucking punch a bitch well it's like, almost I'm, like have you run into any kind of customers like since you've been at um uh what you benders counter when you're trying to get someone's order and they're just looking at their phone oh yeah and it's just like do you want to get this done? I can't I can't talk to you while you're looking down on your screen. Well, and then this happened the other day. Someone got upset because they were deciding and someone else knew what they wanted. So they so came up to me. They came up to me to order. And the person who was standing there in front, like, gave them this death growl eye stare. Like, like, how dare you? I was first. And it's like. Yeah, you were first, but you didn't know what you wanted. So there's other people behind you waiting, waiting. that know what they want. It's called being and considerate. We're here at the grit. We're right here. We could cook. You could see us cooking it for you. You'd see like you're holding everyone up. Yeah, come and on. it's not just about you. Right. It's so hard. Yeah. And that's yeah. That about them. I, I'm I'm sorry. I think some people have been so spoiled and entitled the majority mm-hmm. of their life and it goes throughout different classes or what have you but it just feels like you know have a little con- a bit of consideration especially like working in the service industry where you want to make sure everyone's happy and take Hell care of yeah. everybody because that's how you get your day and everything floating in a positive way and that's how you get your tips and that's exactly. how people come back and they like you and they remember you right. and they think oh I had good service here and I enjoyed that person you don't know what you what kind of relationship you can build off that yeah. and you want to always have a positive one so it works for everybody not even just about you yeah. but other customers yeah. and I just hate there's always that one mm. that always has to like hold up something for everybody I'm like I think that and, and this is a big leap but to get political about it entitlement yes. entitlement is what creates sexual assault mm-hmm. and like let's the, get into it when when men sexually assault women a lot of times they don't even know they're doing it because they feel that they're entitled right. to that woman's body. Like, her body isn't her own. It doesn't matter. I'm the man. The man, right. So, that they're somehow entitled to comment on our bodies or to touch inappropriately bodies. It's an entitlement issue. It's, it's you know, when you get 12 frat guys together, True. they feel so entitled. They're like, well, we're having this party and we get these bitches drunk so that we can, you know, touch them when they don't. Yes. It's like, yeah, so 12 <laughs> frat boys together is a date rape. I mean, it, it, it totally it, is. It, 12 cats is a clowder. Shit. 12 cats get, is, a, is a confusion of cats. Get it's four a, frat boys together. It's a date it's, rape. It, it's a date rape. Ugh. It's a group. Mm. It's like it's getting group 12, 12 lesbians together is taco Tuesday taco night. <laughs> Taco Tuesdays. No, you're absolutely right. It's but it's the entitlement is what creates. So Kavanaugh in high school felt entitled to touch this woman's body and to, and I feel like high school boys feel entitled mm-hmm. to. I took you out to dinner. It's the same thing with t- Tinder. I bought you a drink. I'm entitled to your time or to talk or to make out with you or to. Right. There's an entitlement there. And when you say, wait, 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 this is my body, you don't get to, then they're like, oh. You're being a bitch. Right. 
You stupid whore. You slut. So it's... I, I mean, we we have to dial back on this entitlement thing. Otherwise, I mean, it, that's what we're creating in our society right it, now. It, and that's and it's it's so it, you're so right about that. And you know, the fact of the matter is just like you know, th- this whole thing like I'm the man, I should be dominating you. You know, you're you. It's not about your body. It's about me getting off. Right. And it's but it's and the thing is, we're even more liberal in our country. But there are countries in the world where women still can't drive. Like, didn't it just... The, in Saudi Arabia, belongs, just recently, women were able to drive, but... A woman belongs to a man so much mm-hmm. that... And I've been studying the New Testament right now. I'm such a fucking weirdo. <laughs> but I've been studying the New Testament, and the, the church says some really bizarre things about wives belonging to husbands. And oh, but, the, but then the thing is that husbands also belong to wives. If you read... In Corinthians, Paul starts talking to the church, and the, the church asked him questions about marriage, sexuality, partnership, divorce, these kinds of questions. And when he went to answer them, he did it ambiguously in that he supported the women and the men, but people can take it out of context and just take the verses where it says a woman should serve their husband in conjugal, conjugally. Right. That's and, what they did, too. And you take it out of context, and, and any pastor can say, here's the verses, look at this. And, <laughs> and although there was an equal representation, in the text you can skew the text any way you want and it's the subjugation of women because it's a powerful thing men are entitled to it's the same thing I was married and I felt like and I was raised very Christian that men are when you're married that's consent it's forever consent once you get married you belong to your husband whenever he'd like to have sex your consent was already given in the contract of marriage this happens in many different this happens in many different countries religions like Let's go to the Middle East, you know, like, let's check it. I mean, even in white supremacy, they feel that way. Uh, right? So what? And then we have to go back to like, if people feel entitled, that sort of gives them the okay that I'm not being racist. I deserve this. I'm not being sexist. This is mine. It's the entitlement that gives them that. So they don't think they're being evil. I don't think that, I don't think that white supremacists think they're evil. I think they think they're doing good. I really, really do. Because... How else could you? Is this it? Donald Trump? I think he thinks he's doing good. I, th- I think I, I have to disagree with you. I think they're doing evil. I think they're doing evil too, but I think they think they're doing good. I think. I mean, Monday with the trans thing. Okay, so now trans people. <laughs> now trans people. So now, not only do women not to get to make the choices over their own bodies with their sexuality that we're trying to push back the Roe v. Wade, but now. People cannot decide their own gender. We don't trust people enough to say, hey, this is the gender of my choice. We're saying, nope, it's this or this. We're in the bathrooms again. Why are we back in the bathroom? Why do we fucking care? Why is it any of your fucking business? If a person wants to choose their gender as meow, I'm fine with it. Be a cat. Be a a man. Be a woman. Be a cis. Be a trans. be Be Call yourself whatever you want. Him, her, they. I don't give a fuck. Call yourself what? Why do we fucking care? I just, uh, you know, you you know when that trans thing came out on Monday, you know who had a tweet about it? Um, that hypocrite, Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, what? Yeah, so she supports. She, you, she's a Trumpy supporter. Yes, exactly, right? Which, yeah, yeah, she um, she she's made some uh, tweets about like you know I'm very disappointed with our president what he's doing to the LBG. TQ people, blah blah blah, all this bullshit, blah, just regurgitation of the mouth. But bitch, you knew what you signed up for. This was all on the table. So, 
So all of a sudden you're like shocked that he's rolling back on some of the things of what he's doing with trans folk. It was all there. It was the seed was planted the, the, for you. The thing that I'm so scared about. I hate. I can't. Well, this is what's so scary is that we are so dumb now that we're unable to learn from the past. Uh, this is some Hitler shit. This is some serious. I am scared. This is some Hitler shit. The Germans didn't know what was going on until they smelled burning bodies, maybe, and they were like, some shit is going down some over there in Bergen-Belsen. There's something happening. They're like, there's this weird camp out there. Something's happening that's weird. And the trains go by, and those aren't cows. Why, why don't we see but some of our neighbors anymore? Suddenly, four million people were exterminated, and the Germans were like, what? Like, And that's what's happening right now in the United States, is that we're starting to be okay with these atrocities against dehumanizing women, people of color, and um, LGBT folk, and people people who choose their gender, which is a fluidity and a choice that we've decided, but no, 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 we're going to roll this back. We're rolling away personal choice, and I feel like it's going to be the same thing. I feel like all of a sudden Americans are going to be like... Next is handicap. Right? So it'll be handicapped people, the gays, the ladies, you know, and people of color continue to be subjugated by the rich white folk. And what's going to happen? We, I mean, are we suddenly, is it going to be when they cart us off the camps or they start they start um, forced sterilization like they used to of people of color in the 20s? Is that what we're back well, to? Well, they already started putting people in camps, like the tents. Right, immigrants. Yeah. So, so the bad people Ew. are brown people immigrants women and and the gays and and we're rolling back civil liberties we're rolling back human rights in our own country and you don't even see it and don't care we're coming up to a voting point you have to care people this is an impassioned plea don't don't let this happen again in the history of the world don't let fascism rule our lives until we're like ah now we can't do anything because we've let the fascism get so pervasive that then we're going to be scared and everyone's going to be in their houses on their little notepads on their little computers scared of the terrorists or the the are we scared of people in the bathroom like what are we talking about i i I have something to show you and you have to look this up two things you mentioned the nazis so something weird happened yesterday here in california where an old world war ii nazi craft crashed on the 101 (laughs) which seemed like kind of like a metaphor or something it was really weird no one died but uh it's oh gosh maybe yeah it's uh i I forget it was in southern california (laughs) you found it so like this world war ii nazi aircraft was flying and they had to do an emergency flight and ended up crashing on the 101 which is a very busy highway throughout the whole state of California and so with the election coming up it was kind of like a it seemed like it was a metaphor of something like hopefully it means that the Nazis are going down because that's because we already are seeing the rise of fascism going on and it it just it was so odd like my boyfriend showed me this before i went to bed last night so weird and then number two something else after you're done looking this up there is this awesome op-ed that nisi nash did who 
she I love her. She was like on Reno 911 and she's on that show Claws. And she did something um it's an op-ed for the New York Times and it's called uh, <laughs> It's a whole skit. We'll play I think we should play it for you after we're done looking this up. But there it, it is a very scary time, especially with the fact of like there's the the uh voting purge going on in all these different states where a lot of yeah, the governors Georgia. Recently, yeah voting Georgia purge in Georgia yeah I'm sure you've been reading about that uh, the thing because uh, the re- elections really close in um, Georgia and then in Texas too there's the voting purge going on there oh what'd you find <laughs> oh no this is just a small vintage plane crash landed on lanes of the 101 freeway in agora hills tuesday bursting into flames and amazingly the pilot walked away the north american snj5 airplane with the pilot aboard as the solo occupant crashed near the center lanes of the northbound 101 freeway near Liberty Canyon Road about 1.15 p.m., according to the L.A. County Fire Department. The plane's wing, still aflame, was draped over the center divider as crews worked to extinguish the blaze and amazed commuters recorded video. The back end of the plane appeared to be missing as the fire continued to burn on the lanes. It took off from Van Nuys Airport, a spokesman confirmed. Who's got it? Who's flying a... <laughs> Some of the tweets are really lanes, funny I mean, about it. This like, is crazy to me. Yeah, I'm like, it's it's got a, it's such a metaphor of so many things or a sign of so many things. That's it's, it's it was just like a little fun antidote to the tragedy that is happening in our everyday what lives. Did, what did Nisi do here? The positive swimsuit selfie photo. Message? Oh, Nisi yeah. Nash, uh, New York Times. Oh, okay. And New York Times. Yeah, so it's. I d- I've been sending this out to everybody, and I put it out into my fo- Facebook posts. Um, let's see. It is... The next barbecue back. Yes, that is it. Oh, my goodness. We definitely oh, have shoot. to play this I, for... I'm having trouble today with the... Like, the mouse is too responsive. Uh, there we go. And Yo, so all this these is gonna crazy be things are happening. The purge is near us. Yeah, things are things are getting crazy. Uh, to the next barbecue, Becky. Don't call nine one one. Call one eight four four. W y t f e a r. White fear. Oh, white fear. So and there's you, a whole sketch, and hopefully it'll pop up on there. Well, um, the computer box doesn't want to let us do things. Should I go it's on this? It's so one? weird. Um, it just it just um, I don't know why it it wants. It's saying that it's. It wants to sell us something else, or it wants something else to happen. I I don't understand. We cannot escape advertising. Yeah. Damn it. And then it, you'll see see this show certificate. It can't identify. I'm like, I don't care. Oh, Um, this is it. So, uh, I I can't really play it off of here because of the. We have to do it on the other one, anyways. Uh, There's a satirical infomercial. The comedian actress Nisi Nash plays the inventor (laughs) of a new hotline one eight four four White Fear. The video advertises a phone service for white people to call when they can't cope with black people living their lives near them. The hotline is up and running, so give it a ring and spread the word seriously. It actually is a real hotline. It exists. Uh, so here's the instances of... It's on YouTube people. as well. Yeah. Uh, in October 2018, Charleston, South, North Charleston, South Carolina, when members of an anti-violence march stopped by a gas station to buy drinks, they called... Um, a black person Ponte Verde, Florida when a father yelled at his son at a soccer game that was recent 
Brooklyn after a boy's book bag hit a woman's backside in a store. We talked about that one last week. Marietta, Georgia, when a man was babysitting two white children. That was last month. That's insane. (laughs) September 2018, Boston, when a woman filed a complaint about damaged bags after a flight. I remember that. Dane County, Wisconsin, when a state house candidate was canvassing a neighborhood. Yeah. Amherst, Massachusetts, when a university employee looked upset while walking across campus. Don't have that resting bitch face. You're gonna, they're gonna call the cops on you. <laughs> this was in August. M- a Milwaukee, when a man was trying to get change from his car. Brooklyn, when a woman tried to avoid the rain by standing on a stoop. <laughs> Northampton, Massachusetts, in July, when a student was eating on campus. Mountain View, California, when a woman donated food to the homeless. Yeah, that was outside the Safeway. Victoria Park, Florida, when a woman attempted to cash a check at a bank. Buffalo, when a woman attempted to use several coupons at the dollar store. Oh, that was in Chicago. San Francisco, when a man was checking the alarm at his own store. Yep. (laughs) Sterling, Virginia, when a player at a pickup game of basketball fouled too hard. Yeah. Chicago, when a woman (laughs) attempted to use a coupon at a pharmacy. Don't use coupons. Don't use coupons. Atlanta, when a college student was canvassing for a congressional candidate. For Arlington, Ohio. And no, when you're canvassing, you are donating your time. You are. That is crazy to me. When an 11-year-old was delivering newspaper, Upper Arlington, Ohio, because 11-year-old children are scary. (laughs) Scary when they're brown. They could be doing something really bad. Uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, when a woman using her residential community pool refused to show her ID. Oh, I found I found. Don't it. let her use the uh, water fountain either. <laughs> so in order to do that, you have to take the iTunes and put it on, uh, pull the volume down. Just pull the curtain oh, back for three, everybody. three, right? Well, no, they both will come out of three, but because three has iTunes playing on it, you have to, oh. you have to get to iTunes and then Do-do-do. and either press pause or just pulling the curtain back. I've been uh, training all week, so I've been doing this for people and telling them so you have to is. open up the iTunes. That's iTunes right there, right? No, it's at no, the bottom. At there the you bottom. go. Yeah, stupid. It's at the. It's there you and go. Then pause. And then pause or throw the volume down. Either way. So pause then the you want to go back to now. You want to go back to the Safari. And then we go back down. Yeah, and here. you can leave them back open. Both open too, if you want. Uh, but I've been training this week. I'm training six new shows. Uh, it's crazy. Six new so, shows. So yeah, it's that's it's really great. It's kind of saving the station, or not? I mean, it's not saving the station. It's just making it easier for me. But if you want to have a show, we still have a lot of open time. Four one five 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 zero zero five one one. Just press pause, and then we'll start it again. Oh right. Yeah, because I have to bring up the volume over here. Start it up again. Here we go. White flight. <laughs> Not for a charcoal grill. No charcoal grills are allowed. You're scared. Please leave me alone. You're white. African American. Um, illegally selling water without a permit. But with cell phone cameras and social media, calling 911 on your black or brown neighbors just isn't what it used to be. Hi, I'm Nisi Nash, actress, inventor, and advocate for not calling 911 on black people for no goddamn reason. I'd like to introduce you to a radical new product that will save you all the headaches of being filmed and outed as a racist douche. It's called 1-844-WHITE-FEAR, and it's revolutionizing the way racist white people cope with black people living life near them. 1-844-WHITE-FEAR, there's a black guy outside my neighbor's house and he's walking around. Our experienced staff. (laughs) 
have been living while black in America their entire lives. Darren here is a former Obama aide who had the cops called on him for moving into his new apartment. Yes, that is actually your neighbor Michael. Yeah, no problem. Our records are actually showing that's actually his boat. Yeah, I know. Black people have boats too now. Studies show <laughs> that people of color are more likely to be arrested, convicted, and serve longer sentences than white people for similar crimes. So calling 911 for non-emergency situations is really just a d move. I got so scared when I saw a black guy walking around outside, and so I called 1-844-WHITE-FEAR, and it turns out we're neighbors, and I'm a racist. Now, black people have been helping white people be better since always. So, she's looking around and standing there. Your regular Frisbee or ultimate Frisbee? Call it when black people are having a barbecue, taking a nap in a rec room, mowing the lawn, waiting for a friend at a coffee shop, golfing, shopping, enjoying a vacation at their Airbnb, going to work, coming home from work, working while at work, campaigning for office, swimming with socks on, delivering <laughs> newspapers, buying a house, selling water, parking their car, using a coupon, and so much more. one 844 white feet. It's a real number for real white people who should mind their own damn business. Should we call this? If you've been a victim of 911 harassment, please email us at 844-WYTFEAR at nytimes.com. <laughs> can, can we actually call that can number? can actually call that number. Let's call that number. All right, let's do Was it. Was it 844? Uh, so we've, we've got to move Here. the, uh, you've got the camera. Hi, everybody. We're going to call this number live. I'm super excited about it. Should I bring it up again? The oh, we just just tell me the number again and, oh, okay. and we'll uh I just going to move this. Just going to grab this phone. Oops. Hey. <laughs> going to Our janky stand right yeah, there. Yeah, there, there it's going on. Uh so we're going to turn the turn the phone on. What's the number? 1 uh, one eight hundred white So W Y T, and then fear. F E A R. Oh, it's beeping like weird. Um, let's see. Let's try this again. Okay. One eight hundred W Y. F-E-A-R. Why is it not dialing? Why am I not allowed to dial out? I'd, I'd really like to do this, but I'm having trouble, like, figuring out how phones work. <laughs> like, I don't know how to use a real... This is a landline. It's like, I don't it's know how to use funny. A, Now I can't hear a dial tone. Well, I turned down the oh. thing. Oh, okay. That, that one worked. 1-800-W-Y-T-F-E-A-R. R. I'm sorry. Extension number 2023 is not available. If you know your party's extension number. Okay, so I don't know why that I don't know why that didn't work. Let's see. To reach an operator. I'll look up the number zero. again. Yeah. Uh we're we're trying uh to do it. I I I'd You're going like to I'd like it, to make it, this work. It totally works. I just got to let's go back. To do to do, so it's for a was it like one eight 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 or one eight four four or something? Let's see, let me make sure it was one eight eight one eight hundred. 
W Y T F E A. Oh, right. R. White fear. Oh, it's one eight four four. One eight four four. I thought that was it. I thought it was it. One eight four four. W Y T F E A R. Oh, right. We got it this time. Thank you for calling one eight four four White Fear. We are here to address your urgent concerns about black or brown people living their life near you. Please listen to the following options before making your selection. If you are indeed white and feeling scared about a black or brown person in your proximity, press 1. Warning. If hearing Spanish is triggering for you, please protect your ears now. Algunos gringos creen que la policía es su guardia armada particular sin que se el bienestar de sus vecinos de otras razas y esto necesita parar. I love this music. I know. Thank you for calling 1-844-WHITE-FEAR. We are here to address your urgent concerns about black or brown people living their life near you. Please listen to the following options before making your selection. If you are indeed white and feeling scared about a black or brown person in your proximity, press 1. What happens when Warning. you press 1? If hearing Spanish is triggering for you, please protect your ears now. <laughs> I, think that that, I think that that's just what it does. Well, it's hilarious and wonderful, and I'd love to know what they're saying in Spanish. But I am... I am super excited that that exists. And I wonder if people are going to take it seriously. Well, it's, that's hilarious. That's fucking hilarious. I think that, see, God bless Niecy Nash for that Absolutely. one. Absolutely. That's I mean, ridiculous. But, but that's what's happening right now. I'm so scared that we're so scared of black and brown people. But the thing that does scare me now, I don't even know who the person was. The, the only thing that I would say that scares me right now, like really scares me, is um, like that shit that happened at the BART station at MacArthur. Oh, yeah. And the two girls getting their throats slit. I don't know what it color the perfect the person was. Um, she was black. The guy was, uh, he had a long uh, jail record. But was he black or white? He was white. He was and, white? Yeah, and then they said he was possibly maybe associated with the Proud Boys. I don't know what that means. Oh, the Proud Boys is this alt-right, alt-white group that um, I believe Richard Spencer, uh, I don't know if he's a founding member, but I'm sure he has, I'm sure he has a card uh, <laughs> of this um, fascist group. And last week, I believe they were out in New York um, and they beat up some uh, Antifa protesters and what have you, and it was caught on tape. So, and Antifa is anti-fascist. So yeah, they're good people. They're yeah. like fascism is bad. So we're gonna kick your ass. You gonna beat us? We are gonna mm. beat you back. I'm sorry. I'm at that point where it's just like uh, I slap a fascist. I mean, I just have to keep going back to the concept that fascists think they're doing the right thing. They have to. By history standards, it doesn't work. Yeah, but they think they're doing... I think even Hitler at the time thought that he was doing the right thing. And that's the scariness. It's because those people have low self-esteem. Well, I mean, what is it that we have to remove the power from women and people of color? Why? what, What is... I think that... I think that we're just not even... Maybe we're so far away from like 
emotional feel energy humanity that we can't I, I just it's so hard for me but they're people so I'm trying to like empathize with them as people and say like the person who drove his car or they killed a bunch of people in South Carolina with the car and the stuff and they ran over people they Are thought you- they were doing the right thing right like they're like we got I gotta kill no, these that people was hate. Because, but that was uh, that they're was like just I want to kill people because I hate them or yeah. they but isn't the purpose yeah. like I'm gonna kill people because I hate them because they're so bad and I'm so right and what I believe I'm so is white. so but they these people truly believe that what they're doing is I can't see it any other way I can't see that our president is like I am an evil piece of shit and I want to further subjugate people who are already subjugated we finally gave we're finally acknowledging you know gender fluidity and gender choice and saying that people are people no matter what bedroom gymnastics they choose (laughs) or and what does it have to do with anything like how you please yourself sexually should have nothing to do with your political stance or with your ability to have a job or your ability to not be beat up on the street like life liberty and the pursuit of happiness is what is written in the constitution and yet now we're saying these aren't people they can't pursue happiness because now they are fill in the blank right (laughs) because there's so many i mean i think it's all about fear i really do it's fear of the unknown and it's uh, i i those people they might think they're doing right but they know they're doing wrong but they like think- the like the the man that killed the the woman heaven i think you were talking about the woman in charlottesville the guy that drove the car through right. the crowd and mm-hmm. he killed heather higher he knew he was out to he was out for justice like his justice his white justice so he's out to kill and murder people but when you're speaking of quote-unquote justice that implies that they think that they're correct that there's something that was and that's why hate is a disease but that's so but we see it as hate and they see it as that, that's just what i'm trying to get at is like because i keep talking to people and they're like well people are created good all people are created good and it's just where we get skewed is where our morality lies and what influences and like funds our morality Your environment and but people believe in the Christian thing that women and the Muslim thing that women aren't good enough that women should always serve a man that that there's that we're not people that we're that people aren't people that people can be chattel or people can be like there's it, it somehow gets back to the entitlement and the thing that people think that they're doing the right thing I think they really do and until we like diagnose that and figure out like how do we those people are fucking stupid because you have you have a, a a whole history to tell you that the shit doesn't work out in the end and the fact that matter and these people usually are the ones that don't know their history but it does that. seem to work out for the rich people because they keep getting richer and it, it seems that when you now are you talking about white supremacy people, or or uh economics well they're I think that one is a tool of the other, you know, like yeah. economics is a tool of, of white suppression. Cause you have a lot of, of course, oppression. yeah. I mean, you have a lot of white supremacists who are wealthy as well. We have one in the white house. He actually, he actually last night called himself a nationalist. 
see, this is so scary. This is so scary. We really just didn't say why. We're rolling back. We're rolling back personal freedoms. We're rolling back civil rights, which are ostensibly human rights for women, people of color, LGBTQ. What's next? Handicap, I told you. Handicap is next. <laughs> so, well, and yeah, questionably has. So my father sent me a terrible, terrible Uh-oh. email. It's a terrible Uh-oh. story. And this this is an example of people oh, thinking God. that they're right. This is just something my father forwarded to me because he, he knows that he knows he loves to get my goat. Trigger. And especially about like my the city that I live in. Oh, uh, so God. here's the tagline he sends. Let's hear it for the liberals. They've screwed up every city they've been in charge of. Look at Chicago and Detroit. So this is from October 19th, 2018. San Francisco, now so bad, it'll make you cry. This is by Lee Dukovnik. And this really this really upset me. Uh, here we go. 20th century San Francisco, Herb Cain's beloved Baghdad by the Bay, has ceased to exist. It has been replaced by a city where the sidewalks around Market Street are, in places, caked in feces, urine, and vomit. The stink as you emerge from the BART batters you like frozen sleet, shocking and overwhelming. The hordes of homeless sprawled in doorways and sleeping on sidewalks are a bitterly eclectic mixture of the mentally deranged, burnt-out druggies, dead-eyed hippies, con artists, pickpockets, and hundreds of simply lost, forgotten souls. You forgot old people, asshole. Yeah, a lot of them are old, and we just don't care the, about them anymore. We don't care about the, old people. They're probably this generation. Yeah, they're your generations. Yeah, they're dead-eyed hippies. They are they <laughs> Baby are ex, boomers. They are people who served in Vietnam Fucking that Nam. you didn't give a fuck about, and now they live on the streets. Oh, oh, do they have mental health issues that we could help with? I don't know. I had occasion to visit downtown San Francisco this afternoon, the first time in over seven years, though I reside only 30 miles away in the East Bay suburbs. During my working life, I have commuted to San Francisco as a bushy-tailed junior executive in the 70s, as a small business owner in the early 80s, and as a corporate executive in the 90s. Thankfully, old San Francisco really was a wonderful place uh, to work, eat, and play. As I walked three blocks back to the BART, I was panhandled four times, plus two clumsy pickpocket attempts. Liar! Liar. Two clumsy... Nobody's trying to pickpocket. I've lived in the Tenderloin for 11 years, and no one's ever tried to pickpocket me. I didn't see a single cop in a car or on foot. What could they do? Okay, back to the pickpockets. You rich motherfucker. Yeah, why don't you... Give people money. Oh, I live in the East Bay in my nice house and there's no poop on the streets because everybody makes $500,000 a year because we're self-made white people in Danville. Um, um, we really... I'm going to keep going. Okay. What finally broke my heart were the kids and women also lying in the street, drugged, shell-shocked, begging for food. I found an ATM took out some cash and bought $25 arch cards from McDonald's and passed them out. The salty tears flowed down my face and onto my lips. My soul, my humanity was abused, sickened, and disgusted. Today, I know that, give me a fucking... 
I, sp- I just I want to punch this guy in the fucking face. Look, I did my part for the homeless. I came from the East Bay and I gave out twenty five dollars to of McDonald's. McDonald's, which I'm a shareholder for. Yeah, right. <laughs> as he as he puts in quotation the arch cards from McDonald's. You don't think this is sponsored by McDonald's? <laughs> fuck bag, rich fuck bag from the East Bay. Yeah, the reason we don't have any. Okay. <laughs> to, today shit. I observed a city that carefully and deliberately schemed to become an open sewer. This is far beyond simple incompetence. The magnitude and pervasiveness of this horror remains indescribable. Such nasty. No rational thinking person or board or mayor could allow this societal abomination to continue unabated in a first world country. <gasps> Yet it does. San Francisco willingly hosts a malignant cancer that has metastasized and destroyed all aspects of a civilized, compassionate society. While skyscrapers fill the skyline and tankers and giant container ships still prowl the bay, the city by the bay's soul has begun its death rattle. <laughs> All right, this dude's full of shit. Uh, fuck right. you. Okay, so let's analyze this bullshit, which you are already actually I'm starting sorry, to do. It's, yeah. made, it's made me so upset okay. this and having this sent to me. My boyfriend came here from England in 1997. Mm-hmm. He said the fact the matter, he was thinking, you know, this is in 1997. He's like, mm-hmm. well, this, shit, this city was shitty and hopefully would get better. 21 years later, it's still shitty. Years, yeah. So that was in 1997. Now, let's also dissect the fact that who cut out the programs and the mental institution uh, programs that were going on this here? Is, this isn't, this is a state issue. This isn't necessarily fully a city issue. Right, right. Because we're already Reagan, giving everybody health care. Reagan cut out those uh those uh mental a lot of the mental institutions and some of the uh, uh mental illness programs yeah. that were to help those yeah. who were um who were suffering so your home how about Reagan vietnam vets how about how about people who've served in wars for you for us and then we just toss them aside and don't give them health care or do or say well you didn't jump through the right hoops to get your health care so you must be too fucked up for us to help you and oh can, well good luck. can we also say that san francisco is a liberal white city it's a white city and yes it is liberal and then on top of that and- don't bring Chicago up in there. Yeah, don't worry. Okay, th- this fool probably ain't never been to Chicago. And the parts that he's talking about, he would never step foot in mm-hmm. on the south side. So you can suck my dick. You can at least eat on the streets of Chicago, like on the corner, without worried about feces because at least Mayor Daly, though he was a piece of shit, he actually cleaned up the city. He cleaned it up a lot. But we aren't able to even clean up our city because we don't have the funds. I was trying to figure out, like, I thought I had an epiphany the other day, and I thought, am I the smartest person alive? Maybe. (laughs) Uh, But I was like, what can solve the questionably housed problem, the 8,500 questionably housed people that we are not housing, who are of an aging population? And there's youth, too, but in San Francisco proper right now. What can we do to solve that? And the only thing I could think of was healthcare. Ding, 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 ding. And not just physical healthcare, but mental healthcare. And you know what else helps healthcare? Keep being people housed. You know, if people are living in a house where there's shelter, they are more able and apt to take care of themselves. And if we have the mental health components in place to help people. Which got cut by Reagan. which, Which we don't have. 
mental health components. I mean, not just like if you live in San Francisco and you live here and you have a place to live, you can apply for the Medi-Cal and you can jump through the hoops and you can get the help that you need. And like I'm on Medi-Cal because it's expensive and I can't afford health care. And I'm so lucky that I have that. And I thank the government and the powers that be for making me have health care and to feel safe. That's awesome. But why can't we do that for everybody? Why, why can we? I don't understand. Why can't we provide everybody with the mental health care and the physical health care and the shelter health care that they need? You know, when when children are coming here, when 26 year old children are coming here to work for Twitter and making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Why? Why do they need that? Why do why do the people that work for Google need they get free food? How come the people at Google get paid and they get okay, free food? You, and we can't give 8500 people a place to live? Okay, so I'm glad you mentioned that because there's a proposition that's coming up um that we should vote on. I believe it's proposition C where um it um they want basically people like uh tw- Twitter mm-hmm. and Google um help basically to raise their taxes and those taxes help to uh, uh, help the question to be housed and mental illness. One of the guys, he did an op-ed too. He's the CEO of, I believe, Salesforce. He's for the program. Good. Um, the fuckface from Twatter, the CEO, is against it because he doesn't want his taxes raised. Well, and I, I, I can understand with the rich people in this way. They say, I am helping the economy. I'm helping San Francisco because I take Uber everywhere. And that is has created new jobs for people. I take Lyft. I take Uber. I have created jobs for people that they're making more money, but they're spending more money. And then that's good for the economy of San Francisco. But the people getting left out, yeah, raising rents, people living here, it being expensive, the landlords making money, people making money. But the thing is that we have, we can't ignore, it's not us. This is the thing that makes me angry about this letter. And it's exactly the problem. This is a rich motherfucker in fucking East Bay coming here and going, what's all the problem? But what's the problem? First of all, I gave $25 to your to your questionably housed people and I feel like a fucking saint. Well, we That's all need to take care of this this stuff. Anyone, I feel like anyone who makes it's, over $200,000 a year should be should you should have a buddy you should it should be like a buddy program like when you make over two hundred thousand dollars a year you get a questionably housed buddy and you get to either let (laughs) him stay on your couch yeah it's a big it's a big brother program you can either big hobo you you can let him stay in your separate room or you can pay for a housing somewhere and that's your big brother program is that is that you make so much money you rich fuck that you take care of somebody who isn't on their feet who maybe has mental illness that maybe does need help that doesn't have the resources Resources available to them. You have all the resources. You can't share the resources. You f- selfish fuckbag. Okay, so just I'm here's, sorry. Here's another thing that's really I funny about this. <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs. Okay, so Did let me you? tell you. Let me tell you how fun and crazy and mental the suburbs are. Let's talk about that. So you may have a nice, a nice, pretty lawn and your white picket fence, mm-hmm. but what's going on between those doors is. A shit show, mm-hmm. and I kid you not. Where where is the opioid crisis mostly hitting? Mm, I wonder. Yeah. Huh? I don't know. Could it be in the suburbs, in the small towns? <gasps> Shocking. It's, it's that the more money we've gotten, and the more suburban life 
it, we, we instead of living together, now we live apart. And we feel safer because we have bigger houses and more stuff and there's more insulation. You don't know who your neighbors are. And they're far away. They're on the other side of the fence. And now, but I'm so connected because I'm on Facebook because I have a tiny computer in my pocket and I'm connected to everyone. But we're disconnected from our humanity. We're like, thank you. And and on Facebook, it's not real and everyone's just promoting Happy their ideas. Well, they're they're promoting their idealized selves. It's them with a puppy and a unicorn on a fucking rainbow. And <laughs> how dare you share any real feelings or emotions on Facebook yeah, Pam. unless you have cancer. Like I mean, and I have friends who have cancer and God bless them. It, it gives them a, an outlet and I love them and I think they should express themselves and I think that Facebook should be more real and it should be a place of support, but it's not because how dare you express a feeling or say that you're disappointed or you had a or, shitty birthday yeah well and I got chastised for that so because I had a real feeling and I shared it with the world and why would you do that it makes you look so bad oh I'm sorry I'm a real person and I try to connect with my feelings and emotions but still today I stepped over tons of people on my way to the nine bus through when I was walking and it is a problem nine. it's an issue Huge and problem. we talk we talk about it all the time but what this fuck face oh, fuck is this I mean face. this this person doesn't live in this kind of environment so this peop, this person just watches what they see on the TV or what they because also the media is a big problem they they, they like to sell this propaganda mm. you know and it's honestly it's not a liberal conservative problem it's a humanitarian yeah, problem yeah. and that's the thing I've, I've, I'm from a conservative state now and some of the places in small towns I've been into are garbage, yeah. but it, but it's but to me I don't I don't go around well look at this conservative town oh look it's all shit no it's sad the fact that these people are being ignored because living we're in the city we're ignoring 8,500 people and I'm doing it too I am part right. of the problem we're all guilty we're all guilty of it I take some responsibility for it you do too but it's also the fact of like there's only so much that a person that in our that we could do right the one thing we can do and Jonathan is so sweet about it is he always gets an extra piece of pizza for fuck my life the guy who lives on our block who's been there since we've been there and he lives somewhere in the tenderloin on the streets and we know, we don't know his real name but we call him fuck my life because he yells into the mirror fuck my life um and so it's a tiny thing and I don't want to like break my arm patting ourselves on the back like no. look we help people like that's what this guy's doing this here guy, yeah. I spent $25 on McDonald's arch cuts you know what and he's even lying because where is there a McDonald's the only McDonald's is down by Montgomery Street so he must have been by Montgomery but there aren't that many questionably housed down there I thought maybe he was talking about Powell because that's right in the center of the Tenderloin also Civic Center but near Civic Center and near Powell there's no McDonald's oh no there is one on Market no nope, that one closed so there's there used to be so one I on feel like it, he's lying this person, this person is full of shit. Yeah, I feel like he's lying because if you were at Powell, which is where the majority of the people sort of are sleeping around there, and you passed out $25 of Arch cards, that means you went all the way down to Montgomery to get to the only McDonald's there because all the other McDonald's have closed. So you're a liar. And the one and on Van Ness has been closed down and knocked out. Exactly. And there are no pickpockets. You too clumsily... That was the other thing that upset me. Is This is this is hyperbole uh, that, that you were pickpocketed. That someone two two people tried to pickpocket you. No one has ever tried to pickpocket me, ever. I, I'm not going to going to deny that, but it just it just what it's 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 very childish. It's it's just saying I'm better than you, and mm. oh my god, you you're putting you using this liberal conservative thing when it's not even about that. It's, it's about be, you giving out some fatty food cu- coupons. Mm-hmm. Don't make you Jeebus. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, you know what? If you want to help, why don't you go and use your time at the soup kitchens? Yeah. Donate. How about donate money to a program? Yeah. Hey, how about vote yeah. in yeah. the interest of these people? Yeah. You know, how that, about, help, that help benefit them, that yeah. get them jobs. Yeah. You know, you priding yourself on the fucking back. This is glorification of like your entitlement. And then people say, I mean, I, and I, I'm reading right now all of these Christian texts because I'm interested in it. And it's oh, it's Lord. funny when the, when they're talking. Yeah. When. Oh, Lord. When they're talking about welfare recipients, he has some jokes in there. The pastor's book who I'm reading and um, Douglas Adams. And he talks about like wealth, welfare recipients and how conservatives get angry at people who receive welfare and yeah i get 167 dollars a month and thank you so that i can live in the city and create all this art but do you work i work so hard i just don't get paid that's the thing is if we're not paying people what they're worth because they're a woman or because they're a person of color or because they're an artist then and then you get mad because we need the services. And I need my. It's it's 167 bucks a month. It's like nothing. That's nothing People compared to, to the Costco. tax cuts, which is a form of social welfare. Right. That's welfare too. Yeah. How about the bailout in 2008? Mm. That's welfare. Mm, low battery. Oh. Oh. Low battery, y'all. This can, show. I can. We. Yeah. Oh, I think we have that thing over the there. Charger. The charger. Yeah, oh yeah. Thanks. An iPhone thing. But cor- that corporate welfare. That's millions, but billions of. dollars that are given to the 1% in corporations. Mm. So, but they're not talking about that. And there's this this mythological character of people sitting on their ass collecting welfare checks is, it's not even a real thing. It's not. That's almost as, that's almost a mythological thing about like people stealing votes and people, uh, uh, you know, wanting to uh voting id laws so those people won't steal their votes and all it's just sometimes it's fear it's the fact of you you're un, you you're too uncomfortable to get into the shit this is this is uh, uh i looked up conservative view of welfare recipients oh god there's a picture of ivanka trunk trump i just don't think it's fair that uh, it's like it's like we're back to a monarchy Oh, yeah. Right? Conservatives love small government till it comes to welfare. Fear of enabling big government is the usual conservative objective, objection to federal spending for the public good, especially where the poor are conserved. concerned. Conservatives typically claim that they don't object to poor people receiving assistance. They just think the government ought not to be the agent of delivery, as this would represent an unconscionable expansion of state power. Why then do conservatives tend to be so enthusiastic about making welfare programs as invasive and hegemonic as possible? Recently, uh, this is by Elizabeth Bruning. Recently, I argued that Senator Marco Rubio, Republican Florida, and Ivanka Trump's paid parental leave plan, which would now require new parents to borrow from their own Social Security and retire later than otherwise they would have, penalizes parents for their decision to have children. Not surprisingly, conservatives disagreed with my analysis. On Twitter, Rubio himself argued that however flawed, his plan is still better than the status quo. And the National Review writer Alexandra DeSanctis claimed 
that what bothered her about my argument was its suggestion that being authentically pro-family and pro-children requires embracing one specific and extreme model of government action. DeSanctis argued that although she opposes an ever-expansive welfare state, she is nonetheless thoroughly pro-family. The argument was about means, in other words, not ends. Similar pieces about the idea from Heritage, the Federalist, Town Hall, and the American Enterprise Institute all shared this point of view. And yet the expansion of states' power in the context of welfare programs is often the direct result of conservative legislation, not simply a byproduct of welfare programs themselves. This is especially the case uh, when it comes to restrictions of personal freedoms. Consider... Uh-oh. It's okay. It wants to connect to your um, iTunes. Consider the Rubio Trump plan, for instance. What's more invasive? Receiving a check from the state for the duration of your parental leave and then moving on with life or receiving a check from the state for the duration of your parental leave and then having your date of retirement delayed by the state based on the number of children you had and the time you took off with each. The Rubio-Trump plan clearly involves more monitoring of one's life, more tabulating of one's deeds, more placing strictures on one's decision than does the former. Similar examples abound. President Trump has proposed replacing SNAP benefits, that's my EBT, also known as food stamps, with something called an American harvest box. (laughs) The nation's harvest apparently consists of peanut butter, pasta, cereal, canned fruit and vegetables, and shelf-stable milk. Swapping SNAP benefits for a box of rations would, of course, mean vastly reducing the choices of benefit recipients. Those with special dietary needs, with more infants in the house, than children and adults with allergies or religious commitments would simply be out of luck. Again, a check in the mail would accomplish more with less intrusion on personal freedoms. The same is true of drug testing for welfare, a proven waste of time and money that nonetheless seems to appeal to Republicans and replacing work requirements on certain benefits, health care in the latest, for instance, with ne- that which necessitates that recipients provide state authorities with the daily details of their lives and potentially that they shape their family and child care decisions around state whims. I have no certainty. It's just more rollbacks of our personal freedoms. I have no certainty about what may motivate conservatives to expand the state's purview of control when it comes to welfare. I assume that, as usual, the different things motivate different actors, and most people have a mixture of motivations at any rate. Some may want to discipline and punish the poor, some to sabotage good programs with bad faith adjustments, some to show allegiance to billionaire donors who couldn't care less about the common good. Others may believe the poor are in need of strict paternalism. The conservative often ends with allegations of hypocrisy, which can be satisfying and justified, but don't advance the issue very far. What I can say is that welfare does not have to be invasive, patronizing, hegemonic, or oppressive. The same people who warn you that welfare is all those things are the ones who make it so by attaching intrusive rules to aid programs. In countries around the world, many of which match the United States in terms of development, Taking time off to be with your baby doesn't mean delaying retirement. Receiving health care doesn't mean leaving underage, elderly, or disabled family members so that you can meet minimum work requirements. And receive assistance with food costs doesn't mean eating government-assigned peanut butter out of a standard issue box. So 
when you see aspects of welfare programs that are oppressive and humiliating, keep in mind legislatures legislators have chosen to make it that way. There is no law of nature requiring that they be such. When a conservative when conservative legislators say they want to free people from the degrading power of an ever-expanding welfare regime, the provisions and privatizations they are referring to are, in large part, of their own making. It is possible to put together programs that genuinely promote the common good. It is critical that we not allow ourselves to be convinced otherwise. Dude, it is... Don't make it be humiliating for people to eat. I, I can't believe if they replace my... It, it's the same box. thing. I get $167 a month to feed myself. And I am able to feed pretty much uh, two people on that. And I work hard. But you, and you, but you also have to budget what you I can budget. get and what have you. Exactly. So you have to, you have to be and very I buy savvy. Real food, and I buy vegetables, and I buy, I, I buy my food, and I eat my food. I don't. Throw you don't food waste. Away. I don't waste food. But don't demean me by saying that I don't know how to make choices over what I can right. put in my own body. I can't afford food because I live in an incredibly expensive city and I'm trying to fund a radio station and be an artist and I'm sorry I'm not monetarily compensated you're, for the amount of work woman. I'm doing I, I'm a small business owner and I'm a, I'm a woman small business owner and I'm trying my best to run it with you know my with with my right. socialist needs I try not to want or have too much single people do struggle we struggle I mean like I've been I I've had we back in Chicago we call it the link card so it was food stamps I was on them for a year and it was after I lost my job and I did have a savings account but that savings account paid my rent and my bills so I wouldn't fall behind and lose the roof over my head but I also needed help in order for me to eat and I learned how to actually budget what to eat because i only got 145 dollars a month yeah at the time sure and so i needed to figure out okay so how let's a str- i need a strategy mm-hmm. what i'm gonna have to make more soups more yeah, casseroles exactly. you know more beans dried beans I, I might spoil myself one time with some, some crab legs if mm. they're on sale though only if they're on sale yeah. and and sometimes you know it I did feel kind of humiliated, but I knew I needed that help. And I knew it was temporary. Sure. I knew it was temporary. And so for the fact that... The the thing that makes me crazy is that these conservative people spend $145, $167 at Costco without even blinking. A couple times a week, maybe. And they don't even think that, you know, people... Why? Uh, it's just why. Why some people say, "Well, I worked for it. I deserve it." It's like, but I work hard too. I just don't have your some people job. Need help. Well, but why do? Why do? Why do we have to all buy into this? Like, I don't want to work for a crazy company. I don't want to work for Twitter. I don't want to work for Google. But you didn't say you didn't want to work. I don't. I, I want to work. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is that that's a personal freedom of choice. There is a difference between not wanting to choose the corporate world rather than like not working, period, and right. just being a lazy fuck face. That's not the case. And the majority of the cases are not that. People are work- there's such thing as called the working poor. Well, and even if you're being like a lazy fuck face, you're probably taking care of kids at home or doing something else. And Having having and maintaining a home is a real job, a and job. I'm sorry that it's not monetized in our country at all, but it's legitimate work. 
you the rich people you're paying someone no, to clean your house but the, the, rich people are paying people to clean their house oh i'm a job creator i'm paying someone to clean my house well there are people who work and don't have time to pay they don't have money to pay someone to clean their house staying at home and keeping a house is can be a full-time job being a parent is a full-time job right. and yet Oh, she's being a lazy welfare mom. Fuck you. She's working and not being paid. You know what's funny is I can see those people right now in their country clubs and and they have their nannies for their children watching their kids right. while they're off playing tennis. Sure. And it's just, and, and yeah, and they're the one complaining about, oh God, so my taxes are going to this. Oh, I know. How many, how much, oh, how much of my money do you want for your poor people? God, I guess I'll donate during the holidays to Salvation Army. And, and the thing is just like, these people are so fucking ignorant to, don't you know your tax break is a welfare? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking that I mean, in San Francisco, we should apply this. If you make if you make over a million dollars a year, you have to have a buddy. You have a street buddy. Street buddies. Like it really, it would. I mean, if you make over a million dollars a year, giving. Street buddy. I mean, right? I mean, what could you? If we took the empty buildings that we're still making more buildings for housing and stuff, but we have vacancies in buildings downtown. What if we took those vacant buildings and we turned them into housing? And if you have a buddy, you, you pay $500 a month. Let's say street buddy, street, street buddy, buddy, street buddy and, and me. me. Like um, it would be, <laughs> let's see, if it was $500 a month, it would be uh, five times 12, six, $6,000 a year. That's is that nothing. if you make People over a million dollars a year if you make over a million dollars a year you can't afford six thousand dollars a year to have a street buddy well, you could change a person's life you could it's like it costs less than a cup of coffee a day it really literally does like i would if you're, say two million because a million dollars don't mean shit here in this city well but if you're making but that's the thing is if you're making a million dollars six thousand dollars is nothing it's like yeah. less than your dry cleaning bill it's why can't we have street buddies street. if you gave six thousand dollars so let's say that 8,500 people all got street buddies. And so they, <laughs> right? 8,500. There's got to be more than 8,500 million people who make a million dollars. I just really want to make, I, I really want to do a skit on this. Now. Yeah, street buddies. Street buddies. You make over a million dollars, you get a street buddy. Street it's like, buddy. It's like assigned by the city. And we're like, good job. This is your street buddy. And then you get like updates and your street buddy writes you letters and they're like, thank you so much. Yeah. You can see, Hey, civil liberties, freedoms, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Put a tracker on them. I mean, they already have an Obama phone. You already have them traced. Just put a sticker on it with another little chip. And you can be like, my street buddy right now is making good choices. They're at Safeway buying apples or whatever. Like my street buddy's at work right now. Right. My street buddy has a place to live so that they have they can receive mail so that they can take a shower and now they have a job and they're you know it's a room of one's own their housing is subsidized there's food and, and it could be done by by the city for the city street buddies street, street buddy and me street buddy and me <laughs> I, 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 is, that, that is it a crazy idea it's not a crazy idea but it's a beautiful sketch yeah <laughs> it's a beautiful sketch well it's just I, I you could take your street buddy out to lunch you could take him to you know you could take him to a cheap lunch you can you could all meet at rubio's we can have it be sponsored by rubio's fish taco tuesday and everyone goes down there and they get a free they get buy one get one free fish tacos for them and their street buddy like <laughs> 
Like, your street buddy can be your secret Santa. It's just like a Tom's. It's just like the Tom's shoes. Like, buy one pair, give a pair to a person in Bangladesh who probably made them. But it's the same <laughs> thing. Like, you know, buy one taco, get one for your street buddy. We could have all, all different, like, businesses could get involved. It's like Street Buddy Tuesdays. <laughs> like, like, the second Tuesday of the month, you can take your street buddy to a, um, a, to a museum for free. That's actually a good idea. Right? Get some culture with your I street buddies. I feel like street buddies. You, you learn something off of each other's different environment. And some of, our, some of the street buddies, I feel like anybody over... I mean, okay, I'm getting older, so I feel like, God, you know, maybe 50. I, you, sleeping on the ground when you're 50 is is a terrible thing. Back. Right? And we've got, I keep seeing questionably housed people that are getting older and older and older. And and how, Baby boomers. how are we allowing this? I mean, I agree with this guy's article that how are we allowing this to happen? Street buddies. Street buddies. And, the, the, you know... The thing is, the SNAP program, you, these help with, and, and there's also the CHIP program, which is the children's um, health oh, thing. Yeah. Uh, WIC, W-I-C, yeah. when you're a kid, yeah, you get. They're, they're rolling that back, mm. but these are the same people that are pro-life, but you're not helping the life once that, they're alive. Once they're alive. Right. You're cutting into their health care. Sure. You're cutting into their food and their education. So how do, how does that, you being pro-life, but you're cutting up a program that helps children? Because some lives are better than others. It's the old, it's the, um, it's the old animal farm. Um, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. It's once the entitlement comes in is that... We got. I I deserve it because I live in Danville now. So I worked. I my house cost four million dollars. So I'm safe now. I'm safe. What? We have two weeks until November six. Oh my god. Two weeks, and which that means I got to hurry up and read up on some of these uh, uh, things that I have to vote propositions and what have you but i'm also watching other states as well like georgia we mentioned in texas Mm -hmm. and i'm looking at missouri as well and illinois and who's going to take control of the house and the senate right because this right here everything that you read this is the vote this is what we're talking about voting why it's so important yeah and and it this could be, I mean, the the box thing is not going to happen because they found out that it's the food yeah, in the box. Yeah, this is, this is just, an old, this is yeah, from. They found out. But they, that they're talking about it when they were discussing it legitimately right. is very, very sad. They found out it was disturbing. too expensive to do. It yeah, was more expensive it is. than, than snap. I'm like, yeah, you think? When you And that's exactly what this op-ed was saying is that taking away people's choices makes it more difficult in the future and ends up costing more. Right. If you let people make choices, but it's the same thing, like, at Whole Foods foie gras with food stamps and like I get shamed you know and I'm if calorie for calorie it really is a good deal because yeah. when you eat a when you spend 350 on a slice of foie gras pate it's like 4,000 calories so if it's $3.50 that's some good calorie but you're per penny savor ratio that shit too aren't you you're not going to eat it all in a day no well it depends if how many people are eating it and if I'm at the park and I don't like eat foie gras by myself usually right I mean no, and, but it, it, that's that's just like with what I was talking about, like with the crab legs. Like, right. if I could just have that one thing, if it's on sale, if I can get it, 
there's nothing wrong with that but i'm not gonna go willy-nilly crazy because i needed that 145 dollars to stretch me that whole damn month yeah well and the other or thing i'm not gonna eat if you um if you get like let's say crab legs it's 9.99 a pound what's the difference between most beef is like 9.99 a pound the only thing now that's cheaper might be like some hamburger that's pre-ground but that even could be 6.99 6.99 a pound so if you're talking about a lobster or crabs that are 9.99 a pound it's really no different yeah basically you're just saying you poor person i think that you should eat this because you're not as good as me so i'm going to somehow say you're a bad person and you can only eat this food because you're not good enough only spam work hard enough to eat like the rest of us or whatever it means i mean it fucking sucks though you know for those who don't know crab and lobster were peasant foods at one point in time so i'm just bringing it back as peasant food the the washington post isn't going to let me read it it wants me to read it for a dollar or wants me to sign in oh no and i'm like i'm not I have to pay for the Washington Post. That's now? come on now. That was for um, I wanted to see someone was talking about what happens if if the Republicans lose that Trump's going to lie about why the causes of why. Oh, you know, why. you know what's going to happen. He's already setting the purge. He, like I said earlier, he's calling himself a nationalist. And then there's this whole thing about like he's going around and a lot of conservative media media are going around spreading the these horrible horrible lies about the left being unhinged and how we're becoming violent oh by the way are we violent no no compared to the most of the hate crimes are done by who conservatives yeah. um and white supremacists and by the way today just to give you guys a little bit of information today cnn received a package full of white uh, 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 that was supposed to be a bomb and they had to evacuate the cnn building in new york and then um john brenner who works for the cia also received a package that um they thought it was a bomb and then there was also um i was also reading that uh, the obamas and clintons also got a package today so this rhetoric oh that is being spread by the the white wing that's what they should be called they're the ones that are violent but this, and this is this is interesting this is the conservative stuff conservatives construct social issues such as homelessness poverty drug use and crime as individual and family deficiencies for example homeless are homeless because they have made poor family and individual choices and they have done so because of their own deficiencies in this sense homelessness is the result of refusing to make better choices in this way poor persons drug users and criminals are cast as morally irresponsible so this is but that's the thing is conservatives are using this they're morally it's the same thing like you're morally irresponsible if you get an abortion well how about if I had access to health care I would have access to birth control so I wouldn't have to have an abortion maybe if I had access because IUDs ain't free and and then they'd say, oh, well, you're having sex willy-nilly outside of a relationship because we're morally making the... Ch- oh, give me a break. Seriously, you're going to... Ch- you think that people are poor because of a moral deficiency. I get it. It's kind of what I was taught is... But really, could it be systemic racism that's been happening in America? Could that be the reason? Could that be the reason that almost every person I saw today who's questionably housed was a person of color? Could we? Could could it be that we've been systematically subjugating people for years and years and years, and then we go, well, it was a moral deficiency. Could it also be the fact that a lot of companies have moved to different countries and uh, laid off a lot of workers mm. because the fact that they want cheap labor? Mm. Hmm. 
Is that a, was that a moral choice to get laid off? Yeah. No. Are we I just lose my start? home? I, I think that the first extermination uh, that's going to be happening with the new Nazi regime under... I, I mean, I don't want to... I'm just saying. Watch it's really scary. Plane. It's really scary what's happening. And are we just going to... Actually, we already have been killing people. We've been letting the opiate addiction and overdoses run rampant. And we're just letting people die. It's the first extermination. It's an extermination by being hands-off. Well, it wasn't us. It wasn't us. Well, we didn't provide health care for those 68,000 people that overdosed in 2017. We didn't provide them health care. We didn't provide cessation tactics. We didn't... Hey, people are dying now because they did cocaine in a bar in San Francisco I, because it has fentanyl. So it's well, the how opiate... Easy, right. How easy is it to get fentanyl? It is everywhere, and that's why we need to have drug testing, is that you can't just do coke anymore. You can't just do a drug in San Francisco willy-nilly because you might die. Because we don't... Have, but if we had safe drug testing, if we could, like, make coasters where you put a little bit on, you go, uh-oh, that's dangerous. Or we have the technology to save lives. We have the technology. We have the Narcan. We can save lives. Not everybody who is overdosed but that's the thing is they say well people who use drugs are amoral people so they should die or whatever they're thinking what I'm saying though is that we're already exterminating our own people through the opiate crisis by saying drug addicts are bad people and they right. don't deserve health care and some places don't you know if people are calling 911 for help for an ambulance sometimes those ambulances won't even come because of the fact that you know oh well they're overdosing uh, so we don't have the funds to go and save them because it's just a regular thing here in this all-white conservative town, which is happening all over the place. But that's you don't get to hear that in the media. And why? Why are you know why are our veterans coming back and becoming alcoholics? Why are we doing PTSD. drugs? Why are we? Because it is scary to live to to negate our humanity. We're like forced to do it all the time and they're cutting the vets vet programs for those who do have PTSD. Who, who is who is worth it? Just white landowners, right? Rich landowners are those the only people who are morally good enough? The know nothings. The know nothings. The know nothings. I, I mean I mean the, to, to me the, this is a real this is a real Conservatives construct social issues based on moral choices. You're an amoral person, therefore you don't deserve... What? Well, what about your morality is right? And that's the thing is they think... It's I think hypocrisy. that's evil. I think that's. I think that what they're doing is evil, but they're coming from a position of saying we have the moral high ground. And it's like, you have the moral high ground, but you're being evil. And they're like, no, we're not. We're having the moral high ground. So... What is morality? What are we constructing? And right now, we are constructing our social fabric saying that racism's okay, misogyny's okay, black people aren't, color, people of color aren't people, women aren't people, homeless people trans, aren't people. Those transgender people. Transgender can. people aren't people. People that are gay, they aren't people either. Because they're taking, because we take a moral stance against. Because they are pedophiles. We are taking a moral stance against gay people. Why do you care about how people express themselves sexually. Why do you care? It's none of your business. And we know what happens when you suppress people sexually. Mm. You go to the Catholic Church and become a priest. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's... I can, here's the thing. There is a point in time that I could say I could understand conservatives when it comes to economics in some sort. Yeah. But... I don't. I think it's go. I think it's just gone so far right to where it's just like I. I don't understand how. Like first, okay, poor, poor Hiplo. 
A lot of conservatives don't believe in climate change. <laughs> you don't believe in science. <laughs> I, I, okay, I just can't wrap my head around the fact of like, you're living on this earth, you see it, you feel it, but you're going to deny it. And there are people who are a lot smarter than you that are called scientists that have facts and proofs, not hypotheses, but facts that this is something that's affecting us it, it's affecting our food chain it's affecting our weather it's affecting our health but you choose not to believe in something because of maybe something you heard on fox news or maybe something that the Koch brothers uh bought into and said no don't believe it because it's all a money's game anyway you know it's all it's all it's all, it's it's all, all money. a money's game but for people to believe in such nonsense that there's no such thing as climate change. Who died and made you a fucking scientist? Yeah, exactly. I, it, 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 I mean, even, even Richard Nixon believed in climate change, and that says a lot. I mean, he, he wasn't the best president. Well, I used to think that they wouldn't accept the concept of climate change because we were an oil-based economy. But now, and that we'd never allow electric cars or whatever, but we, are we still, I guess we're still pretty much an oil-based economy, but we're, yeah. they, we fooled ourselves into being like, but I have a Prius, so everything's okay. But we're taking stuff out of the ground that took millions of years to create, dinosaur bones that turn into oil, and then we're taking it and we're burning it and we're putting it in the air. And we're not, we don't go, well, that that could make a difference in our environment. Like it's literally making a constant difference. We can see the polar ice caps melting. We can see the water levels rising. We can see the water crises that are not just going on in Flint, yeah. but in other in other towns and cities throughout this country, even throughout the world. You know, Richard Nixon created the EPA, but it's now being destroyed by some other Republican and horrible administration by denying that. I mean, people are getting poisonous water. And then fracking. Fracking is another thing. How many uh, earthquakes have there been in Oklahoma because of fracking? Well, we're ta- yeah, you're taking you're taking something out of the ground and you're replacing it with water or whatever else they replace it with. Of course that's going to su- I mean, it just seems so silly to me that how Flint's water crisis happened and why it isn't it's over. What's going on? It's still going on. In April 2014, Flint, Michigan changed its water source and residents were exposed to high levels of lead and other pollutants. Reporter Anna Clark uh, wrote about the factors that led to this crisis in her book, The Poison City, Flint's Water and the American Urban Tragedy. Uh, This is an interview with her on why Flint officials wanted to change where the city got its water from. This is uh, quotations uh, from her book. It had been relying on water from Lake Huron from the Detroit Water Department for about 50 years. The quality was good, but there was a lot of unhappiness about the affordability. It was extremely expensive, the most expensive or among the most expensive water rates in the country, and especially for a city with a very high poverty rate. This was really getting to the point of crisis. And a lot of folks really felt like we want our own water system. We want some more control. So it was decided it was under a state appointed emergency management that this was going to switch to a new water department. And until that new water department was built, it was going to temporarily use the Flint River as its drinking water source, a sort of reboot to its 50 year old water plant to provide there. Treating river water is vastly more complex than treating lake water. The upgrades to the water plant were insufficient to deal with that. 
uh, on the dramatic announcement of the city's switch to Flint River water, it was really celebrated. I mean, media was there. They had this ceremony and the water treatment plant with a countdown and cheers and toasts with the river water. And a lot of folks were really celebrating that. This is getting back to our roots and returning to some self-determination, self-sovereignty. And of course, looking back, this is terribly heartbreaking because the river, I mean, the problems that we're treating that treating river water is vastly more complex than treating lake water and the upgrades to the water plant were insufficient to deal with that and most ominously the water was not treated with something called corrosion control and this is something that you add to water to keep our very old ill-maintained water lines from breaking down and having metals contaminate the water by the time it gets to our tap on the health effects of lead from corroded water pipes getting into the water there was a series of bacterial issues and other issues with the water even before the lead came on the radar there was also this huge outbreak of something called legionnaires disease that's what people that's what actually killed people with lead what's frightening about this is that there is no amount of lead that is safe children are much more susceptible to it because their developing bodies absorb up to five times more lead than adults and it's toxic effects which can range from more antisocial aggressive behavior stunted growth anemia for adults miscarriages reproductive problems it can take a little while for some of these to show up but they're also unfortunately uncurable so this is very funny about lead poisoning. Um, the reason that they, the term saved by the bell came up was that in England, they used to use lead cups in um, bars and stuff. And so people, if they were getting drunk, they would get dead drunk because they'd drink and they actually were getting lead poisoning. And so they'd pass out and people would think they were dead. And so then they'd bury them and they put a bell because... And that's why they had night watchmen is that if someone woke up out of lead poisoning and they were buried under the ground, they could ring the bell and the night witch watchman would dig them out. Otherwise, they would find that sometimes people would wake up from lead poisoning and they'd scratch the inside of their coffin and then they'd Jesus really die. Christ. But it's lead poisoning that can do that. Oh. Uh, how on how Flint being run by an un unelected emergency managers factored into the crisis. It was huge. In Flint, they had emergency manager appointed in 2011 and a series of them were put in place consecutively up through April, 2015. So essentially through the entirety of this crisis and the decisions that were made here, two of the officials ended up being indicted in criminal investigation that has since followed. And there's an unusually direct route from the state's accountability for what happened in Flint given that this was a system that was in place in Flint. Uh, on Flint's history with issues like racism, segregation, and redlining, the water crisis did not start with the switch in April 2014. I think it really goes back decades. Flint, unfortunately, was the most segregated city in the North and the third most segregated city nationwide. And it has and it became a destination for African-American migrants from the South, where its population was exploding. Everybody's coming from these General Motor plants, and this was uh, to these General Motor plants, and it was really brought to a point of crisis. It had two neighborhoods where black people could live, and very explicitly, they were denied access to their homes. Uh, to other homes. Once there was fair housing laws and school desegregation laws that broke down the system, Flint's population started to decline as a lot of these white middle class and upper class folks left. So Flint today has less than half the number of residents it had in the 1960s. The infrastructure did not shrink along with the population. So it has far fewer and poorer people. 
who are expected to pay to support a water system that was meant to serve twice as many, not just the residents, but also those huge industrial plants. The pipes were built with large circumferences to support all the water they needed. So this directly related to how unaffordable the water was for residents. And it directly relates to how this infrastructure was disintegrating. And it also meant that the folks who lived in areas where there was a lot of vacancy, they had water that was much riskier to drink because the water sits stagnant longer and the pipes that go over stretches of vacant land with these large pipes in it, it has more time to absorb the corroding lead and iron and other contaminants from the pipes. So it's racism that caused the water crisis in Flint. And and didn't they, they, their water was on fire. Coming that, out of there. That's uh, Cleveland. Cleveland's water that, was yeah. on fire. That's the mistake by the lake. <laughs> that, that's a whole, that's another story. But that has something to do with that. Also, Cleveland's having, um, and parts of uh, the suburbs of Cleveland are having a water crisis as well because um, um, the plant that's right by, um, is it Lake Superior? Um, their water caught on fire because oh of all God. the stuff that was being dumped into the water. And this is one of the reasons why the EPA was uh, established to avoid these situations. But it mm. just it's just gotten worse and worse over the whole past decades. This is a book excerpt from The Poison City by Anna Clark. We'll read a little bit of this and see how it... On a hot summer day in the summer of 2014, in the Civic Park neighborhood where Pastor R. Sherman McCatherine preaches in Flint, Michigan, water rushed out of a couple of fire hydrants. Puddles formed on the dry grass and splashed the skin of delighted kids who ran through it. But the spray looked strange. The water was coming out dark as coffee for hours, McCatherine remembered. The shock of it caught in his throat. Something is wrong here. Something had been wrong for months. That spring, Flint, under the direction from state officials, turned off the drinking water that it relied on for nearly 50 years. The city planned to join a new regional system called the Karagamondi Water Authority, and while it waited for the KWA to be built, began bringing its water from the Flint River. But Catherine didn't pay much attention to the politicking around all this. He had enough to worry about at his busy parish. But after the switch, many of his neighbors grew alarmed at the water that flowed from their kitchen faucets and shower heads. They packed public meetings, wrote questioning letters, and protested at City Hall. They filled clear plastic bottles from their taps to show how the water looked brown or orange, and sometimes had particulates floating in it. Showering seemed to be connected with skin rashes and hair loss. The water smelled foul. A sip of it put the taste of cold metal coins on your tongue. But the authorities said everything was all right and you could drink it. So people did, McCatherine said later. Residents were advised to run their faucets for a few minutes before using the water to get a clean flow. And as the months went by, the city tinkered with the treatment and issued a few boil water advisories. State environmental officials said again and again that there was nothing to worry about. The water was fine. Brown people that live in in Flint, Michigan. Whatever their senses told them, whatever the whispers around town, whatever Flint's troubled history with powerful institutions telling them what was best for them, this wasn't exactly hard for people like McCatherine to believe. Public water systems are one of this country's most heroic accomplishments. A feat so successful that it's almost invisible. By making it commonplace for clean water to be delivered to homes, businesses, and schools, we have saved untold lives from what today sound like anti 
antiquated diseases in a Charles Dickens novel, cholera, dysentery, typhoid fever. Here in Flint, it was instrumental in turning General Motors, founded in 1908 in Vehicle City, as the town was known, into a global economic giant. The advancing underground network of pipes defined the growing city and its metropo- metropolitan region, which boasted of being home to one of the strongest middle classes in the country. McCatherine is a tall, bald man with a thin mustache and scratchy rasp in his baritone voice. At the time of the water switch, he had led the non-denominational Joy Tabernacle Church for about 15 years. It was founded by the YWCA in downtown Flint, where it held baptism in the swimming pool. But in 2009, it made home in Civic Park, where a Presbyterian closed after 85 years and gave its sanctuary over to the young and hopeful congregation. By then, Civic Park, one of America's oldest subdivisions, was a desert of deserted historically significant homes. The pastor said, built between 1917 and 1919 by General Motor and DuPont Company along the curving tree-lined boulevards, the tidy houses were designed for Flint's auto workers and their families, but over the years, the neighborhood was blighted by vacancy. Empty two stories with lurching front porches and crumbling roofs sat alongside crisply painted homes where Flint residents they sometimes call themselves Flintoids or Flintstones, still lived in their in their, their lives. When the sound of gunshots on the street outside interrupted services, McCatherine gave a nod to the church musicians, urging them to play louder. Some called Joy Tabernacle a thug, thug church, he said, but McCatherine saw the good. The young men filling his pews built a proud society, if not by getting their name on the honor roll than by tagging their names with spray paint. In the end, the people just wanted to be seen. Uh, The ghosts of the past went well beyond Civic Park. Between General Motors and United Auto Workers, which won the right to collectively bargain in Flint's sit-down strike in the 1930s, the city had been a flourishing hub for American innovation. There were more than a hundred different manufacturing establishments in this town. Ten of them employed at least a thousand people. And they made not only all automobiles, but paints, varnishes, tools, dyes, cotton textiles, and a wealth of other products. Flint had one of the highest per capita incomes in the nation, and despite being severely segregated, it was a magnet for African-American migrants from the South. When then Vice President Hubert Humphrey stopped by during a campaign for the 1964 presidential election, he praised Flint for zooming ahead with unbelievable economic growth and progress. Workers earned wages that are very good, Humphrey said. And because of the great labor management program in his community over many years, there's been a constant rise in the standard of living. Away from the assembly lines and executive suites, the people of Flint felt that their city shouldn't just be a place to work, it also became a place to thrive. Charles Stuart Mott, an auto pioneer who became GM's largest single stockholder and a three-term mayor, created a nationally renowned community school program that provided education, skill-building workshops, and social services. His influence is still felt through the C.S. Mott Foundation, a philanthropic power broker headquartered in the city. The Parks Department had a robust forestry division that cultivated a beautiful thicket of willow, oak, and elm trees along the avenues. The Michigan School for the Deaf expanded into new buildings that served hundreds of students around the state. In a green campus just east of downtown, the city invested in its cultural life by developing the Flint Symphony Orchestra as well as state-of-the-art stage and auditorium for schools, both the performing arts and visual arts, a youth theater, a sunny public library, museums for local history and classic cars, 
a large planetarium in the state and sweeping Flint Institute of Arts, which lined its galleries with everything from Matisse paintings to Liechtenstein silk screens to carved African masks. I didn't know Flint was such a badass place. Yeah. It was a thriving, yeah. And now it's a shithole. It's scary there. <laughs> but no, it was... Yeah, all this is this is some, some of American history that a lot of people didn't know. I didn't know until probably about 10, 12 years ago. Seriously. That what? And it's so sad. This is and this is why I, you know, like cities like Detroit and Cleveland, like this is a, the tragic story of an American city that was that we by by funding capitalism and by making corporations more important than people and that their funds and the stockholders money is more important than people we moved our manufacturing to other nations Mm -hmm. and then we don't have jobs for people and oh and then the only jobs we create are like mcdonald's jobs and then we look down on people for having fast food jobs. And, and now they have poisonous water and now they have poisonous water and disease i mean yeah it's yeah this is how we treat each other. And, and and when people always say, oh, why does everything have to be about race? This is another this is example. The, yeah. In the later part of the 20th century, GM closed most of its plants in the city and eliminated mm-hmm. almost all the local auto jobs. Smaller companies followed suit, simply shutting down for good. Between 1998 and 2013 alone, nearly 150 of them corporations exited the downtown area with the shuttered businesses came the shuttered houses and schools more than half the population which had reached a high point of nearly 200,000 in 1960 disappeared some 22,000 left between 2000 and 2010 an 18% drop in just 10 years and the fourth largest population in the country behind only Detroit New Orleans which had suffered Hurricane Katrina and Gary Indiana not long after Flint's population plunged below 100,000 for the first time since 1920, and the empty structures they left behind were both disheartening and dangerous, not only because they were prone to break-ins and fires, but also because they literally crumbled onto the sidewalks where people passed. And at the same time, the Flint metro region, that is, the suburbs, grew exponentially. It was a widening circle of wealth with a deteriorating center. Wow. Be like cities uh, around uh, there's Davis. Uh, what's another one? Uh, my friend, she, uh, she's from outside Flint, but she claims Flint, and you can definitely tell and see the difference between the heart of the city in Flint and then the sur- uh, surrounding suburbs like Davis, Michigan, and stuff. So it's, yep, it's pretty fucking sad. And then her parents, who her parents are from Kentucky. They're they're poor white people from uh, inside a hauler in Kentucky and Appalachia. They migrated to get work at GM. Her dad worked at GM for over 25 years. And her mom worked uh, for a boating company and then got laid off. And so, and I believe her dad got either retired by the late 90s, early 2000s, but her mom ended up getting laid off at the boating place. So, I mean... It, it, it's just the, the next couple paragraphs are just about how they lost billions of dollars because people left and how it's a ghost town how yeah how can a city survive and they also have a winter yeah <laughs> like if your city deteriorates what happens how do you get heat it's and the and the, the cold can really it, it, the, there's so many potholes in that city like it's it's yeah the streets are really bad um 
I remember we were driving down this uh, Dort Highway. It is a notorious highway where you, it's a prostitution. You know, there's only four car, four, four cop cars in that whole area um, where you would always see cops picking up prostitutes. Uh, let's see. I was hanging out in a trailer park, saw some white trailer people fighting in the middle of the street like it was Fight Club. That was weird. Uh, a white dude came up to my f- friend's brother's trailer with a shotgun saying that he was from uh, South Carolina and wanted to meet some friends. That was weird. We got chased downtown because these dudes didn't want to holler at us. That was in downtown Flint. Uh, yeah, Flint, it, it's sad. Poor Flint. Hey, uh, on our next show, some call me Tim. Tim, we have Luke Newman, and he's in the house. Yeah. Uh, Luke Newman, uh, do you know anything about, um, I wanted to say prostitution, but uh, Flint, <laughs> Flint, Michigan? Um, I know that it's a fucked up situation. Flint, Michigan is a fucked up situation. He knows that. Yeah, so we were just talking yeah. about their water and that it's, well, it's systemized racism that just brings everybody down. And no one can get clean water. And no General Motors was pumping all that shit into the water, which actually really messed it up. Hence, mm-hmm. all that. I mean, the corporations really did a number on that city. But well, are people in Flint, Michigan? Are they people? No. Are they really people? Not anymore. I no. I just it's it, it, people. I mean, that's the thing. Is who who's a person? Who do we protect? Who gets to who gets to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Who gets to do that? Maybe you should send your dad this article. I know. I, <laughs> no, he could, he's going to come back with something even more I ignorant. Know. It's well, it's so sad. I mean, the thing is, what what's your excuse for this? When when people like the thing that he sent to, uh, to you for us to read. Yeah, yeah. So what what do you say about this city that these people are just like, oh, well, they just gave up? No, General Motors and a lot of those companies left. Yeah, left. Well, for profits. Yeah. So, uh, is it the people's fault? Though people wanted to work because those people were thriving at one point in time. Those people were able to put their kids in college. Those yeah. people not that homes. not that college. We were taught it's a, it's an American fallacy that we're taught that if you go to college, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> like you're going to have a job, everything's fine. You're educated, therefore you're somehow worthy of. You're going to make it. Well, I'm gonna make it after all. Throw my hat up in the air. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah. looked up prostitution, San Francisco, and the hey. first thing that came up is uh, <laughs> prostitution in San Francisco is legal, right? <laughs> Isn't think, it? Is it? I don't know. I don't think so. No, no it's not. It's, it's not. It's not. No. I mean, I think it should be. I, I think, think pro- it should be. I think it should be too. I think prostitution should be legal all over. I think that yeah, sex We're worker pro- yeah. is. Um, it, if you have places where you could like get your you know get checked up for STDs and what have you, I don't see why there'd be an issue. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, women have been getting married for years, and that's just another form of. Prostitution. I'm a bartender. You you hey, weren't you talking about what you have to wear in order to sell things? That's right. I'm wearing. That's a form of prostitution. I'm wearing You're kind just, of a sexy outfit so that I can get better tips tonight because it makes a difference. Exactly. So we're all prostituting ourselves. It we're just not getting on our knees. Right. Well. <laughs> well, I mean. I And <laughs> I, I was married for a long time and I sort of, I mean, I bought into that thing of when you get married, they have constant consent and you just sort of, there's you just subscribe to it. It's sort of a, 
I guess it's a Christian background thing that. Or when I was single. Why serve your husband? When I was single and hungry, I would go out to dinner and get nice meals. I always wanted to do that. I never have. Sometimes I felt obligated, which is wrong, to give it up for this wonderful dinner that I have. And part of me feels kind of bad and awkward about it, but uh, you live and you learn. Yeah, I mean, and I, I've always kind of wished that I could prostitute yourself to that. for a steak. Yeah, I know. I just, yeah, hell yeah. I love I had a steak. great steak dinner, and I prostituted myself for it. Well, he could have just gave me the money. Uh, Actually, that would have been much better if you just gave me the money. We have a couple, uh, a couple minutes left. And I'm going to read this from a hundred years ago, uh, Maiden Lane. That's uh, now Maiden Lane here in San Francisco, surrounding. Um, Union Square is hoity-toity shops love like expensive like $4,000 dresses. Didn't it used to be dusty at one point in time well, too over there? Well it used to be it used to be where the prostitutes hung out so this is uh, from a thing written a hundred years ago. The worst cribs in San Francisco were probably those which lined both sides of Morton Street, that's Maiden Lane. These dens were occupied by women of all colors and nationalities. There were even a few Chinese and Japanese girls. And not only were the Morton Street cribs the lowest in San Francisco's red light district, they were also the most popular, partly because of the great variety and extraordinary depravity of the women to be found there and partly because the police seldom entered the streets unless compelled to do so by a murder or a serious shooting or stabbing a fray ordinary fights and assaults were ignored they're also across the street from all the churches every night and especially every saturday night this dismal bedlam of obscenity lighted only by the red lamps above the doors of the cribs which thronged by a million tumultuous was thronged by a tumultuous mob of half-drunken men who stumbled from crib to crib, greedily inspecting the women as if they had uh, been so many wild animals in cages. From the casement windows leaned the harlots, naked to the waist, adding their shrill cries of invitation to the uproar, while their pimps haggled with passing men and tried to drag them inside of the dens. If business was dull, the pimps sold the privilege of touching the breasts of the prostitutes at the standard rate of 10 cents each, or two for 15 cents. But on a Saturday night, some of the more popular women, who had built up more or less regular clientele, remained in their workshops from dusk till dawn, while the pimps kept men standing in line outside, their hats in one hand and money in the other. It was not uncommon for a Morton Street prostitute to entertain as many as 80 to 100 men in one night. Ow. I would wow. sit on some ice. Here, here were the standard rates. Mexican women were 25 cents. Black, Chinese, or Japanese women were 50 cents. What? French women were 75 cents. See? American women, white women, were a dollar. And red-haired women, especially if Jewish, were negotiable. Oh, God. A San Franciscan believed that redheads, especially Jewish redheads, were sizzling hot. A madam named Ideformed Kate made a fortune during the 1890s by offering at least one red-haired Jewess in every crib. Cool. That's well, here's history. something you know that there's a just to pry into the whole black and Japanese Chinese. Yeah, you're worth more than Mexicans. I know. <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of think that's crazy. So here's how you bring Asian unity to black people. We are worth the same thing. Hell yeah. Two quarters. Two bits. 
No, really? two bits is a quarter. Yeah. Fifty cents would be four bits. Four bits. It's two bits if you're Hispanic. And I treat the Latinas like God damn. Isn't that crazy? Negotiable. The, the, the Jewish prostitutes are negotiable. That is. So that she is could get twenty-five cents to maybe three dollars. Maybe three dollars. Damn. Redhead Jewesses. We're hot, spicy bitches. And because probably because the the drapes match the curtains. Mm. Wait, did I get that right? Sure. Or was it the opposite? Okay. Well, and and wow. God bless a hundred years ago from when Bush yeah. was appreciated. I talk about my hair skirt all the time. I just I long <laughs> for those days before razors when it was just like when the when the when the bush was full when we didn't when we didn't finger fuck the bud. Keep it, keep I it, see. It real. Now, now I'm going to read about San Francisco prostitution. Maiden Lane, baby. Maiden Lane. At least they were diverse. They were. <laughs> God damn. Them. All the ladies. Well, this has been uh, the Altacast. Thank you, Latoya. As always, pleasure. Thank you, Thanks man. for the coffee. This was a lot oh, of fun today. This was fun. We went all we over went the all world. All the way around. We came back full circle. We came back to prostitution. I don't know where we started today. Uh, Probably with Trump being a prostitute. Says sexism. Sexism, yes. Just we'll just oh, get it right back. Entitlement to and oh, entitlement. And, That's right. And you know, rape, Kavanaugh and, and stuff. Sure, yeah, so yeah, yeah, then yeah, we yeah. go full circle. Prostitution. Just 80, give us the money. <laughs> Eighty men. Damn. Eighty men a night. There was Oof. a big game that. Oh goddamn! That's a lot of ice to sit on. Oof. Uh, they must have had small dicks back then, or really enormous vaginas. No, I just think of them nasty dicks. Yeah. They smelled yucky. They didn't yeah. shower. And yeah, they didn't shower. Gross. <laughs> they Ew. probably had mud butt. <laughs> Swass. <laughs> okay. Mm. On that note. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Here on Bye. Always end on an anal joke. <laughs> Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2019. Applications open until November 30th for 25 shows in five days. 40 comics chosen March 1st through 5th, 2019 for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's our fourth annual and we hope you apply from whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from. Apply now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, for more details. Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. People ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer's simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. Well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. Labor and Love with Bill Morgan is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Bill is passionate about labor, jazz, and solidarity, and he tells you how it is. No BS. If somebody gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. I always learn a lot from Labor and Love. It's educational and inspirational. 
The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate Ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. The title says it all. Classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff. You can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal. Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought or two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bear exoskeleton contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com. Timstesseract.com. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things.
Vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. 